Hey, welcome back. We are here for the little mini spring session we do for vintage stories. I tend to bulk these up in the winter when I'm a little freer and uh, everything is flying around here in Hawks Bay between frost fighting, bottling, the vineyard going off, sales, everybody wants to drink great New Zealand wine this time of year. So uh, we have banked a couple episodes starting with this one today, which is great with David Nash and the new film he has released called A Seat at the Table, which was really great. I got a little screening of it sent to me and watched it with, with Mara, my wife, and we had a just really cool experience watching it. It is being shown next week in Hawks Bay, so I thought it would be cool to sneak this episode out. Uh, we'll probably do four or five episodes for this little mini-series here in the spring, and then uh, I'll be focused on well, family and wine and, and a bit of travel in there going through Christmas. So hope you enjoyed this interview with David Nash. It was great. I snuck up to Auckland last week. I was up there for another reason, and he was really kind to uh, accommodate and have me up at his place where I brought my little mobile setup, and we had a great conversation. Uh, no sponsors this week. All I'll say is Decibel Wine Club, if you're in America, is you get about five or six days before you can join there. And then, of course, New Zealand is uh, four times a year. So that'll be coming up again soon as well. So just sign up for that. And uh, let's get into it with David Nash. Great conversation about the film, which we'll hear all about. Cheers. So you were just saying this place is where you did some of the interviews for the film? Yeah, so we're here at uh, Republic Films, which is owned by Simon Mark Brown, who I partnered with on the production of the film. So it was pretty natural when you had an idea to shoot a documentary, you go and find a friend who's got a film company yeah. <laughs> sure. with all the gear and the editing suites and all the rest of it. So yeah, this is actually where we spent the best part of a year locked in a room editing all the interviews and watching all the content and all that sort of stuff so yeah a lot of time has been spent well that that would be the first thing i would say was congratulations because it's uh no easy achievement even putting together a film let alone releasing it and people know about this film now and uh, they're watching it and that's all pretty exciting. Or in the, yeah. I, I saw the Vancouver Film Festival's coming up. So yeah, so we've just finished the New Zealand International Film Festival, which went really, really well. We were kind of blown away with the results and so were the film festival um, as well. It did really well right around the country, which shows kind of the appetite for great New Zealand stories, I think. Um, and the feedback we got, you know, from people seeing it was just that, you know, oh, I now feel proud to drink New Zealand wine. I'm going to go and buy better wine. Yes. So it was just awesome that's, feedback, which is what, what, I said, uh, what we wanted. I met, was it Jasper? Yes. Yeah, he, he, he said, how'd you like the film? I said, well, I'm, I loved it. I'm a bit biased. I always want to hear 
people excited <laughs> about New Zealand wine. And, uh, exactly. And I'm going to be, uh, you know, recommending it to, to everybody so I possibly can. So it's good. And then, yeah, we're off at, um, it starts at the Vancouver Film Festival next weekend. The festival's underway at the moment. Um, and then we've got some other news to kind of announce after that. Oh, good, good. I like <laughs> trickle it out to yeah, us. Exactly. You know? um, yeah, so that's, that's part of my first question is how the hell did you do it I mean the funny part is is I've talked to a couple people that you've interviewed and uh it seemed like they didn't know what they were getting into yeah which is always probably a good strategy is you don't want to first of all build their expectations too high but also you want them to be natural and yeah and uh they said yeah David said he was coming through and all of a sudden he was here with all this gear and you know we were on camera and I said and I just laughed. I said, oh, that guy must be pretty smart. You know? <laughs> no, I think one thing I have learned over the years is to not let people think about things too much, mm. which is probably exactly what you're doing yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. If people try and overthink what you want to get out of them, then it's less natural and less you know, emotive and not really speaking from the heart, which mm. is when you're talking about something as... Um, you know, driven by emotion as making wine, then that's what you want to get to. And I think with a lot of the key interviews, we really got to that point. And kind of with people that are famously not interested in talking on camera, I think were really, really great because it was quite unexpected what we were talking about. And it was... Well, Mike uh, from Pyramid Valley comes to mind. I mean, you got some amazing clips from him. I watched it with my wife on Saturday night and... When he said that thing about the window and the and the glass, and that if you open the window, I was like, "How has nobody ever said that before? <laughs> that is exactly perfect." And she nudged me, and she said, "That's you know, that's that's great. Yeah. I never heard that before, and, and it's so true." Well, know? Mike was a great example where we were. He knew we were coming. He wasn't interested in being interviewed, and so I just talked to him about the idea and what we were wanting to do, and then we had interviewed. Um, Steve and Claudia together as you saw and then I and almost every question I asked Claudia she said oh that's a question for Mike that's a question for Mike that's a question for Mike (laughs) so I said to Mike I said what if we don't interview you but we'll just mic you up and follow you around the winery and I'll just ask you questions and we can just talk about it as if you're you know, I'm just a nosy customer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure. uh, he said, okay. So uh, textbook fashion, he walked around the corner from where we were into the cellar door, stood behind the counter and talked to camera for about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Which he is just said felt relaxed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think yeah. that's part of it is just, you know, all of these people are just people just yes. like we are. And if you can get across that you've got the right intentions to tell their story in a good way then I think they'll you know connect with that so and and what's your story I mean that's probably a good place to start is where I mean people obviously knew you and trusted you enough for you to just roll in and you certainly I can't think there wasn't anybody that at least I didn't see their bottle in the video that I thought (laughs) boy he missed out on somebody you know I mean you didn't talk to me but I mean I'm (laughs) like a new guy you know what I mean and there's you know but I thought as far as the regions went there wasn't like of course, you could have gone on, you know, yeah. more and more, but you have to, it's a film, you got to yeah, edit yeah, it yeah. down to whatever it was, an hour and a half or yep. whatever, and so, but I thought you really nailed uh, getting the right people, Thanks. but they obviously trusted you. And Yeah, I think a lot of that probably came through recommendations, so my background is in the advertising creative side of things, um, so that's kind of my sort of background of creativity, and coming into filmmaking was really about 
wanting to do something where I was in control of the output and you know if it was terrible at the end of it it would be my fault and if yeah. it <laughs> if it didn't happen it would be my fault so it was really about owning something whereas more in a marketing advertising sense you are employed to you know contribute creatively yep. and it's often dictated by who's paying the bills as to what the final outcome will be you know um, just as you've probably you know talked to a label designer or someone like that and you know whether you agree with what you're saying but so that was really the the driver for the for doing a personal project and wine was a big passion of mine I love drinking it um, first and foremost and I'd started doing some work for Kumu River uh-huh. out in West Auckland here and a lot of the trust I think that I was given around the country was because I was introduced to people by Michael Brakovich or Paul Brakovich or uh, and their or Cameron Douglas or these people who are now all great friends they would say you know John Hancock <laughs> well uh, I mean uh, I, I again what was interesting watching the film my wife drinks wine she's from Italy she appreciates good wine and food and everything but she doesn't know that much about New Zealand wine she knows she yeah. recognized some of the faces and so but it was kind of cool to watch with somebody like that yeah and somebody like me who's like I'm just totally embedded in everything and just start off with the Brakovich story yeah I thought was really good and really important and it set up history and all that yeah. and uh and to talk to mom as yeah. well was really cool Melba she's great she I, I'm not this is gonna sound crazy but she was in my dream later that night <laughs> And, and some basketball game, and she hit the winning shot, if that says that anything. That sounds very much Doesn't that album. sound right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I went to do this podcast with Michael, she was around and complaining about traffic and, <laughs> you know, just right in there. I loved her. I was like, this is, I want to hang out here. Yeah, so, she's great. Um, and obviously, you're pretty close to them. Yeah, uh, no, I've done a lot of work for Kimi River over the years, and the Brakovich family have been very trusting with a lot of the work I've done and then yeah a lot of introductions both here and in France as well so the cooperage that we went to Francois Fair in yep. um, Burgundy that was a connection through Michael as well and then that ended up being our connection to Romani Conti so it was just it was kind of this domino effect of as soon as you talk to someone they would then recommend that you talk to someone else and they'd kind of vouch that you know you were yep. doing a good thing yep. so then people just got on board with it and I think when you're out there trying to share a region's story, everyone buys into it straight away. I think the all the producers that we wanted to feature, they all bought into it. The hard part was getting the, you know, the film commission, you know, the film yeah, companies, all the, red the cinema that, companies, all of those people that yeah. just don't really. That's what I mean. I, I don't for. I don't know, people listening or all, I, I don't even, I, I know there's red tape, I just don't know exactly what it is, but it has to be oh. uh, really tough to yep. do. You can't just rock <laughs> in with cameras and everything. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, uh, but man, that must've been fun doing yeah, that, fr- the French part. I was yeah. thinking that the whole time. I was like, yeah. this lucky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So we actually approached, uh, yeah, the film commission, wine growers, tourism, and told them what we wanted to do. And sort of all they, I think, saw it for at the beginning was here's a couple of guys who want to go for a jolly through France and you know hopefully they'll get some footage and make a documentary and I guess to their credit we were kind of an unknown quantity at that point Mm -hmm. so Simon and I actually paid you know half each to take a crew around France and the UK so we were there for probably nearly a month doing all of that 
Um, and we just planned out a trip of where we wanted to go and approached probably four or five key um, you know, producers in each region, so in Champagne, uh, down through the Rhone Valley, uh, or Burgundy, obviously, um, over into Bordeaux, then back up through the Loire and then back through to Paris again. So that was kind of our trip we knew we could do and just drive the whole thing. Yeah. But it was still quite relentless we were shooting every day and driving every day I bet. yeah, yeah i mean you got you covered a lot of ground there and um yeah let alone the stuff with chances robinson and all that which yeah. i thought was a a really interesting thing to plug in because i had that again going back to watching it with somebody who isn't you know somebody who's been educated and worked in the wine industry i saw that video with the with the uh, was the French producer and he spits the Sauvignon Blanc <laughs> not he doesn't even want to spit it in his winery yes yeah, yeah and my first reaction was okay that's a wanker thing to do but on top of that is like if that's a, even a smaller bit of the greater attitude they're gonna get crushed yeah or it's gonna hurt because yeah. that's no way to move forward you know yeah. and so but it seemed like the people you were talking to today yeah had a much different attitude oh absolutely so yeah. Didier Dagonot was like the rock star, you know, Sauvignon Blanc producer. This is, uh, that would have been like early 90s, yeah, I think that yeah. show was from. So yeah, a bit of a dated point of view. And I think that came across in a lot of the producers we talked to, the respect that they've got for, for New Zealand in particular. The new world, yes, but New Zealand in their eyes, when you talk to them about it, and not because you're New Zealanders, a lot of them have gone and worked in Australia as well. But there seems to be this connection, understanding that we are finding our way in terms of viticulture, especially that what France has done over 900 years, we're kind of getting there, you know, Quickly. right now. <laughs> yeah. Whereas a lot of other regions can't do what we can do because we're such a long country. Yeah. We can kind of emulate what France has got with specializing in different regions and doing things really really well in each regions and that focus so i think they can see that probably clearer than than we can yeah well i think they can see the natural acidity in the wines yeah. too and the freshness in the wines and exactly. that's like you can't fake that some yeah. people think you can but uh I, I i certainly don't uh well that and that was also great for jancis to i guess let you use some of that film and then again yeah. beyond film so much that lady just she works. was really into it she so. works man she yeah. you know <laughs> i would say that that was my experience of meeting her twice now at two different sort of conferences it's like there's no accident where there's a, why she is where she's at because yeah. uh, and she's now got this like army of people. other great people yeah. working with her now so that's <laughs> that's um that's really cool but yeah i mean again you're uh I'm, I'm the best audience you could possibly want for because I'm like, yeah, let's show all these other regions of New Zealand. But uh, I thought it was pretty interesting in the film that you did touch on the fact that, like, what's happened, what could happen with Marlboro Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. And, yeah, it's certainly a different thing than, say, Champagne, but neither one seems to be going anywhere anytime soon. No, exactly. Soon. Uh, but very, you know, different thing. And when I'm overseas, you know, this, uh, and you could, I'd be interested to see what you think of this. I have to be really delicate because I'm selling Hawks Bay wine, including Hawks Bay Sauvignon Blanc for myself, yeah. Peritua and stuff like that. And there'll even be Psalms or wine buyers that'll be like, they'll want to almost trash Marlboro. Yeah. And I'm very careful not to do that because yeah. I'm like, no, 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 these guys paved the way. They're yeah. not going anywhere. We're just a little different, but yeah, we want, we want to show you all Absolutely. this other stuff that we can do and kind of all, all ships rise, you yeah. know? 
Um, but I don't know. What do you? you yeah, you, the Savion Blanc thing is interesting. I, I think, you know, I think as Kiwis we have this tendency to once we've done something really well, we then just want to destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> rather than just make it even better. Um, so I think we are quite hard on ourselves, and we do have to be careful with the way that we're selling that story. I think the result of so much low quality and low cost Sauvignon Blanc going out into the world, not just from Marlborough, but other yeah. regions around the country, has, you know, removed itself from the fine wine market where you've got, if you take the USA, for example, you've got Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, you know, probably other red, you know, varieties that are going even more premium, mm. whereas Sauvignon Blanc seems to be kind of going even lower cost. So I think that's probably a, and Cam Douglas would be really good to ask this question, but, you know, that's probably a Somme's point of view where they're looking at, you know, they're all addicted to premium, interesting, unique, fun, natural, organic, whatever the new buzzword is that month in some world but i think yeah it's i think the opportunity for sauvignon blanc is to innovate and do you know extended barrel aging barrel ferments you know textural great austere wines like they've done in sancerre for hundreds of years and prove that you know there's a market for 150 dollar bottles of sauvignon blanc yeah you know brancott estates got one mm. and people buy it all of yeah. it so there's a market at that top end. It's just it's changing the business model for those big wineries is going to be the the challenge, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's right. We can be tough on ourselves, and the industry worldwide can be tough on a success story like that. Yeah. And it's like how many are there in the new world? I mean, is there <laughs> Napa Cab and yeah. you know, and Marlboro Sauv Blanc is even a bigger. Yeah, I think it's that's, a bigger category yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. and it must it, be the leading new. Yeah, it has news. to be. <laughs> and, Still, and so, you know, what is it? Thirty years, twenty-five yeah, years, yeah, yeah. or something. Yep. And yeah, it's yeah. like. You know, there's still parts, you know, like the middle of the country in America, for example, that's still discovering it. And there's oh, always exactly. going to be that discovery. And I think if you do keep it still at good quality, even if it's 10 bucks yeah. a bottle U.S., exactly, it's going to be good. The world's you know? a good place, Just don't as turn James in. from Dog Point says. Yes. Like yeah. I was down at Seyfried um, not that long ago talking to Chris, and um, he'd just done a trip through Russia. And they've just got a taste for New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, and they're now... they've made another brand and they're exporting it you know there and so there's a whole nother you know exactly. the largest landmass in the world has <laughs> just got a taste for Sauvignon Blanc so I think you know Mike Benny's hilarious line of you know it's a gateway drug for Bacardi breezer drinkers but yeah. it kind of is it's at that lower end it's the perfect accessible wine that you can identify that yes, I like that. I know what it smells like, and it's going to be pretty consistent, no matter which brand I get. And then you know, people could then trade up to you know more premium examples, or go into Chardonnay or red wines and stuff like that. So you know, maybe we are just being too hard on it, and it's doing I think a we brilliant. Are. <laughs> it's doing a brilliant job in and the market. Even the region itself, like there's going to be so many producers with that income and history and oh, yeah. vine age that they're going to you know they're only going to want to make. Exactly. more interesting wines yeah, and yeah. and just give it just yeah. give it some time and the big thing 
I don't know, even know how this works, but New Zealand wine growers trying to keep that price per liter up yeah. is so important. I, yeah, that's I think a big challenge is in the marketing aspect, you know, more so than the production of actually how you continue to develop this price premium, especially for Marlborough. I think the you know the Appalachian wine Marlborough, mm. you know, that's a good first step. You know, there should be other things like that that they're thinking about. But I think that was you know that's why I wanted to ask the question in the documentary of you know is the bubble going to burst, and the answer is no. No way. <laughs> but it's I mean, you know, until not, that you ask that question, that doesn't mean that individual producers or there'll be bumps in the road you could exactly. screw things up but yeah. um it is a big place yeah. you know and uh we're seeing that in just certain other countries yeah. you know and, and of course you're gonna have stops and starts and all that kind of stuff but uh yeah i think at the end of the day when you produce something that no one else can produce something that is the same as that mm. it'll always be in demand there'll always be a market because it can only come from that place, which is Marlborough. So, yeah, I don't know. There has to be something <coughs> as well in this uh, digital age, too. My big joke, which isn't actually a joke, is they say, "Well, when did you move from the the music industry to the wine industry?" And I, I always point to my bottles of wine and I say, "You can't download that for free." Exactly. You know? And and that's an there's it's one of the only things that's like a true experience from you know starts at a primary industry and not far down the road. Yeah, you can still taste that and feel that primary industry right in the bottle. Absolutely. And so you know that's probably untrue of, uh, but New Zealand's you know forestry thing. You know we can yeah, yeah. see the wood. You know and, and but it was um we had this guy whose name escapes me. He was a professor at the University of Otago who did the Q and A moderating at the Dunedin screening and he was incredible so he was a doctor of indigenous uh like plantings and things like that you know so into native trees yeah, and yeah. native bush Good. and developments and stuff like that and his expression of it which was brilliant is that our wine industry is almost the ultimate example of a indigenous export product where we can grow something that's unique to this place, expresses our country, our land, you know, our climate, everything, and we can send that out to the world. So what better example of, you know, what he's kind of studying to showcase that to the world is our yeah. unique wines. Brings our tourism back. And, exactly. you know, it's it's uh, so important. Uh, when you were just talking, I was thinking at Pinot 17, uh, the panel they did with that uh, was four people mike benny was on it with chances and uh geeson and uh they each picked two wines one of the wines that mike picked to pour for this room of i don't know how many 100 people or whatever 200 300 people how many bottles of wine they had to get in one of them was i think a swiss wine it could have been austrian but i'm pretty sure it was swiss and it was from this real you know progressive state-of-the-art biodynamic farm that was doing all this stuff with native trees native yeah. and this and that and you know n none of them had worked in the wine industry but they were looking for a um uh, something that they could produce every year yeah right that they could look at years from now and it was like well, wine's basically the only thing that's exactly. like that and uh it was a beautiful pinot noir that we had and uh it's kind of there isn't a lot of things like that, that, yeah. that, you know, we can look back, you know, I've done a World War II tasting and it was like, <laughs> how cool is that? Early, you know, these wines from the late thirties and early forties. And you're like, 
and they all tasted good. Yeah. You know, there was one weird one in there, but how many things do we have that show, exactly. you know, a, a reflection of, of a, that long ago, you yeah. know, especially this day and age where, you know, we trash things and, you yeah. know, shirt rips, you just throw it away. <laughs> you don't, you don't sew it, you know? Exactly. And that's, you know, I think, you know, part of my story and wanting to do this was to let people see that aspect of the wine industry that, you know, these people like yourself are just totally committed to growing something and producing something that can showcase that year, that region, you know, that style in their own expression. And it's such a personal thing that until you kind of had the window open to that, you know, that world, you just grab a bottle of wine off the shelf in the supermarket and you just don't really think about it. Mm. You know, you don't think about someone putting their house on the line and, you know, buying some grapes and it was a terrible year and they lost it all and all that drama that goes into it that you never see, I think, you know, has been great for me to talk to people who are not in the wine industry or interested in wine at all, who have seen the documentary now have this greater understanding of everything that goes into it, which is quite cool. So uh, back to the film, where where is it now? Where, where to next? Yeah, um, or, or so it's in cinemas. Like, or how does this work? Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm finding out day yeah, by day that, as well. That. You know, it's been a huge learning curve. When I do it next time, you know, it'll be a lot easier. Probably mm. like making wine the Very second time so. around. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, so yeah, we've finished up at the film festival. It's now this week going back into cinemas right around the country so there's quite a few places down in central otago so arthur's and um ruby's over in wanaka then up into nelson i think it's going back to the globe we can't find anyone in marlborough who's interested in screening the film really how hilarious is that um in wellington it's going back to the penthouse which is such a cool little theater um Gisborne, they've got, I think it's the Globe, their cinema there. Hawke's Bay, maybe it's going back to the MTG. Haven't confirmed that. And then in Auckland, we're back at the Rialto and Newmarket from this week onwards. Also, Matacana is running it for a couple of weeks as well. So, yeah, kind of just going back around the country to do a bit of a tour, which will be great for people who, oh, I want to see it, I want to see it, I want to see it. And then when it had left that centre, when's it on? You know, mm. So it's good for people to go back and see it. And then some exciting new news that it'll be on Air New Zealand from the 1st of oh, November. Great. Yeah, that's really... I was I was wondering about those other sort of, you know, this day and age where the things yep. can live on and, uh, you know, I guess the Netflix and the people like that of the world would exactly. be, would be would, is awesome because people will just discover it in other yeah. parts of the world and things. Uh, but, geez, Air New Zealand's a perfect uh, yeah. avenue for that. So no, so that'll be on there, yeah, from start of November through to the new year, which would be great. And then we'll kind of reassess things from there. And then we've just recently signed with a US distributor who's taking it to one of the big sort of TV film markets in Cannes, funnily enough, um, in late October. So that's when, you know, the Amazons and Netflix of the world turn up and go, yep, we'll take that for X amount of time. So yeah. So hoping off the back of that, we'll have some more news. You know, the aim always was to try and get this out to the, you know, the American, European markets. Yeah. Um, so I guess London, England or somewhere else yeah, is absolutely. on the list. So so no, we've been working um, Nigel at Felton Road, who was brilliant in the he film. He was great. <laughs> he was a standout, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. A lovable rogue. Yeah. Um, 
He's trying to organise a couple of screenings, uh, which would be really great. So one at 67 Pall Mall, which would be very cool to be at kind of the epicentre of, you know, European fine wine and showing a film about New Zealand producers. It's kind of the perfect execution of this film. Uh, and then hopefully we'll pick up a few other cinemas from there and then, yeah, go into the on-demand market. Oh, well, let us know. Maybe we can help you and show it in New York somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Our, uh, I know our importer's really interested in the film and everything, so... Uh-huh. Uh, this is how it happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's, got, he's one of these guys, you know, he's got yeah, a lot right. of connections and yeah. people in those... Uh, the, you know, New York, man, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, it's yeah. all connect, all happening yeah. there. So yeah. he'd be a good guy to talk to. And uh, maybe we could do a screening one yeah. pass through in January. I don't know the so. film business, as I imagine, very much like the wine business. It's you have to have a thousand conversations. And then suddenly someone knows someone who yeah. knows a distributor who knows someone who knows someone. You know, it's a, yeah, it is very much that world. It's quite closed. But once you're in, it's once just, you crack a, in, you know, yeah. a world and I think, the, you know, the much like probably the UK, the US market is really starving for content from New Zealand. Oh, yeah. And uh, reminded me because I just saw, I flew back uh, last week when Jermaine was on my flight. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> they actually said his name they were, when they were listing oh, passengers no. and they were like, and Jermaine Clement and like all the, everybody on <laughs> the plane was like, it's got to be him, right? And then, of course, we're getting our luggage, but it just shows you how cool New Zealand is. He was just there, like, hanging out, yeah. picking his luggage up with, with everybody, you know, <laughs> unshaven and just kind of, oh, 14-hour flight, yeah. you know, and, and uh, nobody was bothering him, really. He probably saw an old mate, and he yeah. was just talking to him. So, uh, But, you know, that's a perfect example of, yeah. a, you know, a, a great little uh, little piece of art that, that uh, Americans just ate up, yeah, you yeah. know, and yeah. still lives on. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> um, so you said you were born in Auckland before we yeah. got, got into this. Uh, I am here for a trade show, and uh, you're in kind of a, one of the more interesting wine markets in the world here in yeah, Auckland. Yeah, it's really interesting, to be honest. I mean, I so funnily enough, I wasn't really in the wine business when I started this project, and now I kind of am. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was born in... Raised in Auckland, out in East Auckland, so seaside, coastal town. Um, my old man's a builder and mum was a gardener for many, many years. So I think that's why I kind of connect with the agricultural, hard-working aspect of the industry. Um, it's very familiar mm. to me, the, the approach of, well, we don't have a winery, so we'll just build one. Yeah. You, know, that was, yeah. you know, that was kind of our upbringing. Um, but yeah, I think the wine market here, I've noticed, so my kind of sort of early drinking years, um, you know, was kind of the early, late 90s, early 2000s, um, you know, wine was, no one really drank wine. I remember kind of discovering Riesling back then, and I was like, wow, this is really easy to drink, and, mm. you know, f- over a long night, that was, you know, a lot more accessible than 15 beers, yeah. as was the, <laughs> you know, the choice at the time, and so I just came through it by going, oh, this is really nice, and then, um, yeah, sort of early, mid-2000s, I moved to London to work and live and do the OE experience, and that's really how I kind of came into loving wine, was just being exposed to these great wine regions of the world, and then for 35 quid on EasyJet, you could fly to Bordeaux or to 
It's crazy. Spain or to, you know, yeah. and you could go there and drink the wine and have the food and that. It wasn't until I did that that I actually understood what it was all about. And I don't think you could really understand what it's all about until you've done that. Mm. Um, but then coming back here, sort of after post-recession, um, late, so like 2011, 2010, 2011, um, came back to a, a creative role um, in an agency. And one of the first briefs I got was to work on the rebrand of Montana Wines to uh, Brancott Estate. So straight away, I was thrown into this world of That's a wine big world. <laughs> and marketing. It was a big world. Yeah. Pernos. They were a really great client, though. Um, thrown into this world of how, you know, I could kind of apply my creativity to actually working on wine-based accounts. So on from that, I kind of just tried to always orientate what I was doing wherever I was working around a wine brand. So, yeah, worked on a lot of the Pernod brands for a long time and then worked on the Penfolds business through South Australian tourism for many, many years. And that's what really drove me... Um, you know, probably 2016, 2017 to start up my own business, taking kind of my creative skills and just focusing on primarily the, the wine industry, but I still have other clients outside of the wine business. But mm-hmm. generally it just seems to attract great people who all want to just do one thing, which is make a great product that yeah. brings people joy in one way, shape or form. So to go and market that and help them sell that, it's much more enjoyable than a you know, a heat, a heat pump or a yes. <laughs> a laptop or which something we, like that. Which we all need, but yeah, no, there's, there's, it's good to be involved with people that are passionate about things that yeah. enhance life in a way that isn't, you know, normal. Exactly. And, uh, and it's really what life is all about. Um, but yeah, I was, I was just thinking about the, the Auckland wine market when I was driving in this morning mm. and how different it is in Wellington, Wellington being you know, oh, seemingly totally huge different. supporters of New Zealand and yeah, they're and possibly more crunchy wines and yeah. things like that where I've had some conversations with retailers in, in Auckland who are like, I just can't bring in enough champagne. You know, yeah, they, right. want, they want the, <laughs> you know, they support some New Zealand stuff, but like they, yeah, ser- they yeah, want to impress yeah. their friends with the European yeah. brands, you know, that's interesting. I, and I think the Auckland market's really fragmented where you do have, you know, you've got this sort of unsophisticated high net worth market where they know what's good, they don't know why it's good, but they're happy to spend a lot of money on it, yep. which is your champagne. Even Burgundy, Bordeaux, like I see guys, you know, down at Maison Veron and they're buying, you know, the name brand, you know, Burgundy houses for hundreds and hundreds of bottle, dollars a bottle. And, you know, they wouldn't, you could pour a bottle of, you know, great New Zealand Pinot into that bottle and serve it to them, they would not be able to tell the difference. Yeah. You know, I think they're, they're wanting to display a, um, you know, that kind of badge of sophistication, but they don't quite know how to get there. But I guess through that, they might learn a bit more about it. And then I think you've got the other end of the market, which, you know, when you probably meet some of the Soms and wine buyers and stuff today, they're just so obsessed with like diversity yeah, of, yeah. It's something new. Let's try it. Let's bring it in. You know, I was in a bar the other day and their by-the-glass wine was Chinuri. I'd never even heard of it yeah, before. Yeah, I don't know. What is that? <laughs> Where's that from? It's sort of this woody, almost brown, um, Georgian wine. Oh, Georgian. But actually okay. quite refreshing. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so, you know, there's stuff like that happening in Auckland, which going back to when I came back here, in 2010 2011 you know that never would have happened no. you were still kind of, there were still places where it was just 
house red, house white. So we've come so far in a decade. Um, but I think, I don't know, it is... Well, I would say that bodes well for other New Zealand, if that's any oh, reflection yeah. on the rest of the world, which it is. Um, you know, Sydney, for instance, or Australia's had some pushback to New Zealand and Marlboro Sav Blanc, but they're still really? open to... Uh, yeah, I think it's yeah. been a been a bit of a shift over there, um, but less of a pushback to weirder things. You yeah, know? exactly. I make a Malbec. Yeah. They're like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, you I know? think Australia and Martinborough Pinot is like, or, or New Zealand Pinot, Otago Pinot. They're, yeah, right. they're down for that's never slowing well, I can't down. Can't make Pinot. Maybe. Exactly. <laughs> shh, shh, don't tell them that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I can. Uh, but I think you look at the Australian market and what's fun over there is you've got a lot of really good, smart, savvy producers making all these alternative field blends and, you know, crazy kind of mixtures that are marketed in a really brilliant way. But they're really, really well-made wines yeah. that will stand the test of time and approachable. Mm. I think maybe in New Zealand we're coming into that you know there's a lot of like, i don't know if you've seen the kindar is it kindali wines out of nelson maybe yeah I know some that, of their yeah. wines the yeah. other day there was a sauvignon blanc chardonnay field blend like mm. a, i read the back label i was like that cannot be nice yeah. and then i drank it it was really nice yeah yeah once you kind of got your head around what was that going it kind on of there? smelled like sauvignon blanc and tasted like chardonnay it was just really nice if you just got over it all and I think Australia seems to be a little bit more sophisticated in accepting blended any type of wine. wine. They've certainly been more progressive in the natural wine yeah. and uh, and branding. Yeah. I mean, I, I was in uh, Mike Benny's shop. I've been in there twice and like some of the labels are like oh, closer to my stuff, yeah. which my stuff's like scares the shit out of people <laughs> around here usually. Um, and it's not even that crazy, yeah. you know, um, but you know, we're, which is good. I think New Zealand sort of slightly more traditional and we have our way, yeah. but you know, there's some, some outliers out there busting oh, yeah. through, you know, it's fun to be had for sure. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, I'm interested to see, uh, I wonder if it's the Wellington thing is that youth and that sort of critical mass of, they have more of like a center to the place, you mm. know, where you see, you're right, Auckland is more fragmented. And yeah, this yeah, and yeah. That and Wellington does seem to have this massive natural wine bug at yeah. the moment. Like it's yeah. just, you know. And beer and cocktails. Yeah, they yeah, seem yeah, to yeah, just yeah. drink more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> per capita. Have you been there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know, I know. That's part of it, you know. It's freezing cold here. I mean, when you're, when you're here in Auckland, you're like, let's go for a surf. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Let's go for a swim. And in Wellington, it's, like, it's really raining like, sideways. I think Wellington's got an awesome food and wine culture. And maybe that's kind of it, is that they actually look at it as a food and wine culture and they're working with things that work together. Whereas I think in Auckland, we're still very much a drinking culture. We like wines that we can drink by themselves and then we might eat something and then go back to drinking is kind of an approach I think is still here. But yeah, I think Wellington is just totally different. They seem to, you know, they're, they're focused on the new, which is great, but, you know, they tend to look away from the more established brands possibly in mm. that respect, which, you know, has good and bad connotation so no it's it is interesting i think it's quite cool that we've got two kind of main centers if you will that have a totally different yeah. view of the the wine and food world which is which is great and uh yeah getting back to the the film though <laughs> that that just because i was Digress. i was thinking this is is that you know that must have been the challenge for you to try to pick who 
and where you were going to go and yeah. how you're going to narrow it down. Because like you said, you can only have, what was it, an hour and a half, yeah. hour, 40-minute movie or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's some people that got cut out oh, or, yeah. or got cut from, you know, you just had to take the little oh, yeah. clips, you know. There was people that didn't make the final cut who had great things to say, but just someone said the same thing just a bit better. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you just want to put something out there that's as best as it possibly can be rather than have a talking head for two seconds just to get someone in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did a lot of research, maybe like about six months to a year possibly of so research. So when, when did this all get filmed? I, I should have asked that at the beginning. So yeah, we filmed a, a couple of New Zealand bits and pieces in the late, late in the year of 2016. Okay. We then filmed all of France in uh, their summer of 2017, which was, pretty sure I'm getting the years right, 2017, <laughs> um, which was like June, July time, mm -hmm. and we did the UK at the same time, and then we did New Zealand at the end of 2017, 2018, um, and then basically edited you know, right up until our deadline with the film festival in 2019. So before all of that, it was probably, you know, another, yeah, a year of research and pitching it to people to try and get funding. And I was working full time at the time. So it was, you know, a little bit of, you do a bit of work when you could and then you'd focus on it again and try and have meetings yeah. around meetings. And, and it was, yeah. But no, all the people I picked a, because I thought they would be good on camera. B, if they had the history or the kind of storytelling credentials. And I think the last part was just people that I talked to about the concept had said, oh, got to talk to him. So-and-so's got yeah, a great story about her. that. Yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, got a story. Yeah, so it was just kind of collecting all these thoughts over the years that people had mentioned so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And you know, like um, Toby Gilman uh, and Matakana and Gilman Vineyards. And someone had, we had actually wanted to go and film uh, Jim Vuletic of Provenance, which is kind of like the first vineyard up that way. Yep. And we went up there and in his understandably now grumpy fashion, he kind of told us to get lost and he didn't want to have anything to do with it. And, um, but told us to go and see Toby Gilman, who was kind of on our list as well. But then we went and saw Toby and he told us all these great stories about his time in Bordeaux and, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. Which was actually even better than Jim looking back on times past. It was about someone who's young, has gone and done their learning, now wants to go and apply it and showcase that his region can compete on that world stage. So things like that were just kind of serendipitous that we just went and talked to someone they mm. referred us to someone else and it just yeah, went from you, there. I guess you just got to roll with it and see what oh. happens. And some were just pure luck, like, you know, David Mason from Sacred Hill, who's just a complete legend and yeah, quite inspirational character to spend some time with for how he just cuts through any BS in life. <laughs> um, it's a pretty I, serious duo with him and Tony. Oh, yeah. Know, was, uh, it was yeah. quite emotional for them when we were there as well. You could tell there was a great kind of vibe going yeah. on that you just couldn't recreate and um tony, i've done this with tony and i've known that guy for yeah. like 10 years on and on. i've gotten to know him a lot better in the last sort of three or four years and 
he his their story is oh, yeah. like it's like the New Zealand epic story, like three yeah. three mates in a bar, like let's start a winery and and now it's this like international exactly. brand and they make awesome wines and yeah. like it's just it's a and you know I was surfing and I yeah. decided to do you know all the stories <laughs> oh look at that picture of you know it's three girls and two guys in a fermenter you know it's like yeah. oh there's two weddings and a divorce you know there's <laughs> like all these great stories it was so fun and um, but yeah Tony said to me on the day he's like look I don't you know David probably won't show up like you know he's so busy. And literally, we were setting up to start interviewing Tony, you know, down by the river there, gorgeous shot. And this ute just, like, literally comes out of the wilderness, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. over into where we were. And he hops out, and he's like, right, let's do it. Yeah. So it was just moments like that. It was just timing, and it just it just happened. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's because I'm an, an immigrant or or what, but for years now, I'll be in, like, Hastings or randomly in Napier, and I'm like that dude like people he's walking around our neighborhood people have no idea and and mace dave's one of the guys but yeah. like there'll be other random people and i'm like they have no idea like i'll see uh, Al, alan <laughs> limmer out. i saw alan limmer at the temp the other day you know yeah. the guy behind yeah, yeah, stonecroft yeah. and and i'm like people have no idea how much <laughs> that one guy has impacted all their lives yeah, I know. and will yeah. for another hundred years because yeah. you know he and a couple other guys fought the council to yeah. create the Gibbet gravels you exactly know? and the amount of tourism and other yeah. things that just spot, sped off in that should be and knighted he, he's just some dude you know at yeah. the tip like hey how you doing how's it going like you know <laughs> you're throwing that out yeah. oh, I'll keep that <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah you know and I, yeah there's hundreds of other stories that we could have delved into you know maybe we should do another one in five years time but you know, there's so many of those great stories out there that were kind of untold. And this was about just giving them 15 minutes of fame so that people know them and yeah, feel yeah. proud to share them. I mean, not to, uh, you know, suggest or push you in any direction, <laughs> but I, you know, the, it, it, but it's sort of in line with the story. It's like, it's, everything is so new for New Zealand yeah. and the world and this film had to be made. Um, but it, it would be interesting to, you know, I would imagine your next one I have to dive deeper and be even more oh, yeah. narrow because, yeah. you know, you, it's 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 needed yeah. to be a bit broader and, yeah. and to tell this larger story. But as our country gets more diverse and, you know, there might be something you could pick. Maybe there's a television series out of this, mate. You know, look at this. <laughs> exactly. you know? you, you can... Seven-part series yes, online. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. No, exactly. So, no, I'd absolutely love to. There's so much. We did intentionally keep it quite not top line but you know enough detail that you know wine people would enjoy it and smile at it and go yeah i know that story yeah but it's great to see the people who did it tell it but then non-wine people like my wife you know we're drinking a pinot noir and she's like oh is that got is it got the grape that we stole in it yeah, you know yeah. like she yeah, now knows the yeah. story you know yeah, yeah. and we would just if i told her that story you know over a glass of wine she just would have had no interest in it yeah. but you know clive and larry and and those guys telling clive. the story is oh, so man. good you know what a legend clive is <laughs> that guy jesus um well thanks man i mean i think we just knocked out 45 minutes i'll let you get back to work and uh i probably have to run myself and go sell some wine but uh thanks for doing this with me and uh i'll hit you up for all the the links and social media and all Sounds that good. i think i have most of it anyway and uh and 
good luck with the rest of uh, promoting this film. And, and again, cheers. Thanks from, hopefully I can speak on the industry wide and say thank you for doing this. And, uh, and we hope big success comes from it. Awesome. Thank cheers. Oh, well, thank you, David. That was pretty cool. Pretty neat to uh, get that opportunity to talk to David. As it sounds like a lot of really great things are happening. Uh, what's happening with us? DB Vintage Stories on Instagram. Make sure you follow that. We always post up little clips, little teasers. And, uh, of course, you get to see what the people look like that I'm interviewing, which is always cool. Uh, so, this podcast share it with some friends man this is really cool if you're in the new zealand wine industry or if you're in industry somewhere else in in wine or restaurants or your psalm i think people would be really interested in listening to what david has said what he's done and please check out that film i mean what a great thing that's really the sponsor of this episode is uh david's work that he's put into that with his partners and uh all that work he did in France too. That sounded like quite a hoot. So that's it for us back next week. Uh, we're going to finally post the episode with the blank canvas wines down in, um, down in Marlborough, which we recorded so long ago. I hope those guys are hanging in there with me, but I was sort of banking that one for down the track and just a great opportunity to sit down and talk with them. So that'll be out next week. In the meantime, Check out that film next week in Hawks Bay if you're around. Cheers. Cheers.